a stand of maple trees where she used to play, the unpainted wreck of a barn where she'd swung in an exhilarating ride on a rope out of the hayloft and through the wide-open doors. And there, there was the turnoff to the Summers Ranch, owned by her family for over a hundred years, until her mother forced her father to sell it in the divorce and divide the profits. Involuntarily, Taylor's foot slipped off the accelerator, and the car slowed. Look, the people who bought the place had put up a phony gate, and they had the guts to put up a sign calling the place Summers Forever. They not only had claimed her heritage, they'd also claimed her name. The bastards. Taylor rolled up her windows, put her foot back on the gas, and drove through ruts and dust toward the end of the basin and her goal where the mountains came together, squeezing the road like a vice. An hour of driving too fast got her at last to the serenity of mountains. Here was the forest she sought. The air was thin, sharp, fresh with the sense of pine and earth and growth and, yes, surely, inspiration. Taylor had always considered herself a true artist. Sure, she had gone to college to study graphic design, and sure, she had segued into interior decorating. But for all that she had besmirched her talent with good jobs that made gobs of money, she hugged close a strong sense of superiority. Deep inside, she had believed that if she flung away the trappings of success and became a full-time artist, her talent would change the world. So... To celebrate the crashing destruction of her second engagement, she had flown to Salt Lake City, rented a vehicle, and driven north along the Wasatch Range. She stopped to sketch every vista, expecting that sensitive, brilliant, expressive art would form beneath her fingers. No, not once. Not a hint of genius, of uplifting emotion, or self-knowledge, or glory, or pain. All these years of believing in herself, and this? This was it? Drawn by the conviction that if she got home, she would rediscover her muse, she drove north into Idaho. In Sun Valley, she rented a room, spent the night, and now here she was, heart pounding as she pulled into an isolated picnic area. She backed the Cherokee into a parking spot hidden by brush and trees. She grabbed a bottle of water, her waist pack, and her drawing pad and climbed out. She followed a trail that wound through the trees, looking for the one spot she wished, believed, hoped, would reignite her vision. In less than a mile, the forest ended, and a wide green meadow opened its arms to her, and she recognized this place. This, far more than the ranch, was home. Here, her father had taught her to camp, to hike, to hunt. Of all her early life, those were the moments she treasured. Taylor climbed up on one of the smooth, massive black basalt boulders abandoned by the glaciers. To her left and her right, as far as she could see, forbidding and majestic pinnacles pierced the pale blue of the August sky. To capture the grandeur of the Sawtooth Mountains required bold-hued oil paints done on a large canvas by a master. All they had was her.
But she was here, and she longed to pay tribute to the forces of the earth. Opening her sketch pad, she took up her charcoal pencil and gave her soul over to the vista before her. When she had finished, she pulled back and studied her achievement. In high school, her art teacher had told her anyone could draw a mountain, but a true artist depicted the soul of the mountain and gave the viewer a sense of glorious austerity or forbidding heights or searing cold. A true artist created not art, but feelings, longing, terror, love. Most of all, Taylor's art teacher warned her against making mountains look like ice cream cones. Taylor could state with great assurance the mountains she had sketched did not look like ice cream cones. They looked like ingrown toenails. She rifled through her sketch pad.